Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How Do You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Kisa Shreen, who is author of Corporations, Compassions, Culture, which is released this spring, as well as risk ESG and climate data and analytics expert and sustainability perspective host at the London Stock Exchange. Hi, Kisa. Lovely to have you on the show. Layla, great to be here. Thank you. So I guess let's start off with an introduction and also maybe an answer to the question, which is how do you do it and why should I care? I love it. How do you do it? And hopefully I'm answering the question, why should um, why should we care? A lot of us on the call. So um, first of all, this is really a story about society and the aspiration around how to make it better. So, you know, why I'm doing it is included in that, certainly. But I would like to think that it really includes um, all of us and our our focus on building compassionate cultures in our workplaces. So um, how did I do it? Why should you care? So I did this, the book and my work really um, with the motivation of correcting and really aspiring to a new corporate culture. And this is how I see things. What is a corporate culture? Um, A compassionate corporate culture. A compassionate corporate culture is one that simply puts people at the center of the culture, Layla. Um, we know that last year has been traumatic for all of us to some extent, yet we persisted. You know, Layla, we continue to create innovations at work. We continue to manage and lead teams. We mentored. We even sponsored. We invested and consumed products, invested in and consumed products that share the same values that we share. They're really looking to make a difference environmentally and socially. But while we did all of those amazing things, some of us in the corporate structure um, dealt with severe microaggressions. Some of us um, endured micromanagement by supervisors who used or rather misused productivity measurement and monitoring technologies. Others of us experienced downsizing and layoffs at a time when we needed our jobs the most. And in many times when we went through those downsizing experiences and layoff experiences, they weren't um, delivered with the greatest integrity or the greatest level of compassion. Um, correcting these things, that's really my motivation. You know, and Layla, all this didn't happen in the bubble. It's not just that it happened in the corporate um, realm and we just felt the effects there. But no, that happened in tandem with a severe pandemic, that a health crisis that happened in tandem with coming to an undeniable awareness of the devastating and persistent racial injustices and gender discrimination that many of us have experienced in public places, as well as our corporate and private spaces, as well as walkouts from people working in dangerous environments that they just refuse mm-hmm. to stay in any longer. So. Corporate, compassionate corporate culture really recognizes that this has been traumatic for the people in the corporations, for the communities where the corporations do business. And really, we want to look at prioritizing the new workplace of the future, not just a return to work as normal, because that's not going to fly anymore. But Mm -hmm. how should we really evolve into the new workplace of the future and what that looks like? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of why I did it and, and why hopefully we all should care about this evolution. Yeah, no, it's super important. And as you mentioned, we've had a specifically tough year, you know, with the pandemic and all of the racial tensions. And I think that that's really important to recognize. But I'm curious in your journey, what inspired you to sort of look into this industry and become, uh, you know, be part of the work that you're doing? Was it a specific moment in your life or was it a combination of experiences? Sure. I think it was a combination of my experiences, but specifically 
hearing about experiences from others, um, other mentees who I thought would have a different experience than I did and seeing that um, actually things hadn't changed a whole lot, whether we're talking about how we as corporations approach our human capital, uh, the amazing intelligent people who um, bring their innovative, most productive selves to work every day, our treatment of them, whether we talk about people who have who are different, um, who have different abilities, who have different types of ethnic cultural backgrounds, who have different genders, or whether we even talk about how we utilize our natural resources. If we're using our water efficiently in our corporations, if we are using energy efficiently, some of the things that I saw years ago, I recognize that some of my mentees and even myself continue to see some of the same things. And clearly, um, you know, those things can be corrected. I think that when I talk about um, engagement and compassion and inclusion, it really means from a human capital perspective that we really feel a part of the process, that we feel that we are included, that our opinions are relevant, that our hypotheses are productively and efficiently debated and defended. Um, and that when we do that, we feel included. Also, when we really recognize the importance of using our resources, you know, not just the human capital, but also the environmental resources, using those efficiently, we really see people more engaged and more inclined to um, use the product as well as more inclined to want to work for a company that really focuses on those things. If we look at ESG, environmental, social and governance, the E and the S, that's what I'm talking about. The governance piece is also huge. How we are managing within our corporations, that's also a large piece of it. And those are things I look to talk about in the book. And importantly, Layla, what corporate leaders, whether we are supervisors or managers or even people who are maybe junior analysts just starting their career journey, one thing that's really important to realize is when we are productive and when we're innovative, we can bring more to the work that we do. Um, mm -hmm. According to Gallup, when employees and teams um, experience this level of engagement and inclusion, they're 17% more productive than those who aren't. And also in the business development area, so sales, very important for engaged employees, we see a 20% increase in sales. Like, those are significant numbers and they really make the business case for ensuring that companies really include and engage employees at every level and to ensure that their productivity level is peaked and that they are happy being there, doing what they're doing and they feel they can innovate. And that's one of the things I really want to focus on. Mm, yeah, no, I completely second that. And as a sort of a student going through recruiting at the moment, I think one of the best pieces of advice I've received is it's not only the company who's looking to hire you, it's also you looking to see yourself, whether you fit in with the company and it, that's just as important, you know. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that advice. And for anyone who's starting out in their career, it's very important to remember, you know, would do you see yourself working for this company? And like, don't just go after it for the name or whatnot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the things that um, I heard recently, I heard a leader of a large retailer say that the virtual world is a culture killer. And mm -hmm. I say, no, the culture killer is really not getting input from employees. And these are the ones who have looked at the website, who have interviewed people who work there, because to your point, it's a two way street. Interviewed yeah. People who work there really got an insight on where the company stands in terms of how they treat the people within the corporation, how they are engaging with the community and even how they are looking at the environment. And they say that this company is one that aligns with my values. Once we um, begin to look at engaging the people who are in our corporations, that's where the culture really can manifest into a compassionate one. And the culture killer is to not 
engage with employees, to not listen and to not make sure that their concerns are top of mind. That's the culture killer. Mm, for sure, for sure. And it seems like, you know, you really value the, the you know, the experience and advice that you can get from speaking to other people. So I'm just curious, what were the best resources that helped you along the way, you know, within your career journey? Yeah. So in terms of resources for me, when I talk to people about organizations and really looking at where they are, how organizations can be better and how we as consumers and we as employees and even we as investors can help organizations be better. It can be as simple as looking at a company's annual report, right? In this day and age, most companies have annual reports that talk about not only what their business model is, as well as how they look to achieve their revenue targets, as well as how they look to um, engage and get market share in different regions. That's really important. But they also talk about how they plan to engage with human capital. They, they talk about their their practices around human capital engagement. They even talk about what they're doing towards sustainability, how that's being measured and how they look to progress into the next year, into the coming couple of years. So I would say in terms of resources, that's and that's simply a website, going to the website and really understanding what the company's values are and ensuring that they align because that's a competitive advantage. How companies engage and treat their employees is a competitive advantage. How they align with the values of their consumers, that's a competitive advantage because let's face it, in today's marketplace, there are loads of companies that are offering products and services and Mm -hmm. consumers are really in the driver's seat. We can really make sure that we can let our voices be heard by simply choosing one product and letting it be known that our value is aligned with that product. We have so many um, resources at our disposal also to socialize those products that we think are doing good. We tweet about them, you know, we share and post um, their stories on uh, LinkedIn, for example, and we respond to them on Instagram. So one person's comment or one person's um, purchase or one person's opinion about a company can make a huge difference because of the platform that we as consumers and we as investors have now. Mm, very, very important. And uh, sort of following on from that, uh, are there any lessons that you wish you would have known before starting in the industry? Yeah, and I think the lesson for me is to really know that um, that there is hope out there. You know, many times when, when you're in this type of work, you focus on the numbers. Mm-hmm. And um, if we just simply look at the numbers right now in terms of companies that are committing to um, inclusion at various levels within the corporations, it can be a little disheartening if you look at the progress in terms of where a company was five years ago, where a company is now, in terms of representation that they have at the senior levels, in terms of the numbers of diverse people who are heading up Fortune 500 companies, in terms of where companies are looking to be with their environmental commitments. But there is hope out there. We just saw, um, Layla, a couple of weeks ago that some of the major energy oil companies are really turning things around in terms of how they're approaching the market with renewables. We Mm -hmm. see that um, in the U.S., our current administration is really focused on electric vehicles and really putting those out there. And also, importantly, we see that companies are realizing their mistake um, a year after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and we really have those deep in-depth conversations about what we can do in corporate environments. They're realizing that we need to do a lot more than talk. We yes. have to look at our numbers and we need to change the numbers. So really looking at metrics. So I think the, the lesson that I would tell myself, um, my younger self would be, there is hope, just continue to stay the course. I definitely will share that with others today. 
Yes, that's an excellent piece of advice. And um, obviously, you're quite seasoned in the field right now. And um, just for our younger listeners who are just starting out in their career, what would you say was your biggest failure in your career so far? And what did you learn from it? My biggest failure, without a doubt, and whether it's career or other areas of life, is to um, to not really focus my energy on where I need to focus on. Mm-hmm. And many times if you um, are doing a project and you make a mistake and or you are working with a team and you know that that team, they just aren't including you. They aren't including you on emails. They aren't including you in conversations. And my experience in the past and part of my motivation for writing the book is that I had years ago been a part of a team where there was severe lack of inclusion, severe. Um, there was no conversation, whether it be business communication or otherwise, directed uh, toward me. And that really graded, that really got to me. But um, I think really using just all of my intelligence to focus my energies on the work in front of me instead of, um, you know, letting those things invade. And it's hard, Layla. It's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. We're human and we like to be, um, we like to be thought of in, in a very professional way. And when we see others taking a stance that we don't consider professional um, and really showing disrespect, microaggressions, lack of inclusion, it's hard. It's really hard. And so not only should we continue the work, but we should also call those things out. Um, and that's something that I would definitely try to do at this point and try to encourage other people to do the same. Um, it's challenging. It can be something that can be a bit intimidating. But the more we call out behaviors that are not appropriate in the workplace, the more we'll see those behaviors stop. Yeah, exactly. And um so you mentioned, obviously, advice that you would give to yourself. But what advice would you give to somebody who was wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Definitely would tell them to look at um, the numbers. We talked about the annual reports, sustainability yeah. reports. If they are interested in understanding what a company's risks look like from a sustainability perspective, if they're interested in pursuing ESG in terms of how it creates value for a company, or if they're interested in understanding what impacts a company's environmental or social or governance considerations can have on communities, can have on society. I would say to look at companies, look at the ones who are doing a great job. You know, for many of us, Starbucks comes to mind in terms of companies that are really just, you know, knocking it out the park. So look at those companies that are doing a phenomenal job in the sustainability sphere, in the social sphere, as well as in how they govern and really get an understanding of what works, you know, what a good rating looks like from an environmental social governance perspective, what companies are doing to correct the issues, what issues are top of mind now. We just talked about um, in ESG in terms of the electrification of vehicles. We talked about ESG in terms of water usage and water conservation. Look at what's really bubbling up now. Also, I would say it's really important to look at regulations. Many of us who are in the industry know that um, the European area is really, the region is really um, hot right now in terms of having the regulations and being really first in terms of coming up with regulations that stick in terms of um, ESG. And the Americas regions are definitely following suit too, but really understanding which regions are ahead of the curve in terms of the regulations and which regions are really making strong moves in that direction. Mm, yes, very important. And thank you for that. And then finally, sort of about your career, what is one common myth about your industry that you would like to debunk? Mm, a common myth is that I think that the um, the bar is is one that cannot be conquered, that the, the bar is such that one can't get into it. It's very um, difficult to enter. Um, and I would say that if you are really highly focused on making a difference, that there is no there is no bar that's too high. You know, many times we think that, oh, the barrier to entry into this particular industry or into this particular market or even that company is just really, really high. 
But I would say that, um, you know, we all have unique talents and there is something that you bring to this industry. There's something that you bring to this environment, this field that no one else can bring. And mm -hmm. so really focus in on that. Um, I think sometimes we look at others and we admire others and sometimes we look to emulate them um, at the expense of our own gifts and our own unique values. But really focus in on the value that you bring that is unique that no one else can bring. Target that strengthen that and then go to the market with that go to that dream company that you have with that um and understanding what your unique value proposition is key in, in succeeding yeah thank you for that and um, i'm obviously i'm sure you're very busy at the moment you know you've just released your book and uh what is what have you read or listened to recently that's inspired you though wow so you mentioned the podcast the yes sustainability perspective podcast that um Working on that has really helped me because I've really got an opportunity to talk to CEOs and leading sustainability officers. And I would say firsthand conversations, simply going on my interviews as well as going on YouTube to hear what people are talking about, to hear what these leaders are talking about. We know that in the um, ESG space, COP26 is coming up. We recognize where we are in the Americas with the Paris Agreement now. So understanding what corporate leaders are saying about these things, also um, with issues around social justice, environmental justice, that's something that we're talking about a lot right now. So really getting a sense of what government leaders are saying, getting a sense of what non-government organizations, NGOs, not-for-profits, what are they talking about? Going to their website, seeing what's top of, top of mind for them right now. So I would say for me, those things are really important. Looking at NGOs, looking at what they're advocating for, looking at what they're focused on, listening to government heads and really considering how they are viewing the problem, the lens that they view it from, and really taking on that lens and understanding things from their perspective. And then finally, obviously, corporations as well as investors and what's important to them. So mm. those are some of the, the things that I look at. Wonderful. And then finally, to sort of wrap up our conversation, who are three people in, in your life who have been the most influential to you? Ah, three people. Well, I'm hopeful I could talk about three groups. Because <laughs> three people. Of course, it's whatever you make of it. Sorry, I had to limit it down to three. Uh, no, no problem. I would say um, in terms of groups, I would definitely say my family, because um, I think from a social perspective, that's our first social network, right? And so mm -hmm. I, um, my values around treatment of others and what is considered equitable, what is considered um, just in terms of justice, and really what is considered to be inclus inclusive, inclusive practices, that would definitely come from that. Um, the second group I would say would be from the good corporation. So ones that I've worked for, the ones, the people that I've um, worked for, these huge corporations. How and corporations are huge entities and to make changes is almost like, and I talked about this in my book, it's like changing the course of a ship. Mm -hmm. um, there can be many people working on something, but the, the change can be really slow, but it eventually happens. So really studying how large corporations make a difference. What resources do they use? Um, how do they leverage their existing talent? How do they leverage their, their finances? So looking at corporations almost as an entity, almost as a being itself and realize how it happens. And then lastly, I would say people who sponsored me. Um, we talk about the difference between mentors and sponsors, mentors being the ones who give you fantastic advice, who really help you along your journey, but sponsors who really represent you in settings where you do not yet have entree into, who represent yeah. you, who share with others that unique value proposition and who can really master 
um, the conversation to really help others to see your value and who can get you in the door or who can set you up with your own door. More importantly, they can set you up with your own table, your own room. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe you don't have to go to someone else's table, but they can help you get your own table. Those sponsors have been amazing and they've really helped me in my journey. That's awesome and great to hear. And um, so that really kind of ties up our conversation for today. But thank you so much, Kisa, for taking the time to speak with me today and for such an engaging conversation. Great. This has been wonderful, Leila. I also would invite the audience to reach out on LinkedIn and on Twitter and on Instagram, Kisa Shreen, and I would love to continue the conversation there socially. Perfect. Well, lovely to meet you and hear more about your story. And thank you for hopping on again. Great. Thanks, Leila. Thank you. Bye-bye.